interrupt this programming to bring you emergency broadcast. If you are listening to this or watching it, be prepared. Get inside and find shelter. Find a room central to your house or apartment. Stay away from windows and under a door frame. And we bring you episode 59 of That Thing with James J. Asher II. Here's your host, James J. Asher II. <laughs> Thank you, thank you all for showing up to episode 59 of That Thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host, James J. Asher II. Oh, wow, you're all so beautiful. You're beautiful, folks. Look at you. You're beautiful. Hello, America. North America. South America. Central America. Ecuador. Brazil. Ottawa, Canada, Nova Scotia, Kansas City, Missouri, Minnesota, St. Paul, South Dakota, California, New Jersey, Trent, New Jersey, Trent, New Jersey, Trent, New Jersey, how you doing? Welcome to episode 59 of That Thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host, James J. Asher II, and today I will be discussing one of my favorite topics, pulling out. Yes, pulling out. It is the safest method of not getting someone pregnant that exists in the world, but your pullout game has to be strong. You can't pull out too soon, otherwise everyone's going to be unhappy. You can't pull out too late, otherwise everyone's going to be unhappy. You have to pull out at just the right time, but also you have to be aware of warning shots because those can happen. You'll feel good, feel good, bam, there's a warning shot, bam, another warning shot. And if you're not paying attention, you will miss the warning shots and you can feel them building up. It's not as big as the big blow, but you can feel a warning shot building up, and when you do, pull out. Give it a second. See if any more warning shots or, or if any warning shots are going to come at all. And if you do fire a warning shot, don't go back in, because you'll have some little soldiers hanging out on your tip, and you don't want those guys infiltrating because, well, you know, 
if you don't want to get someone pregnant, then you don't want to do that. So uh, avoid warning shots. Take my advice. I'm the pullout king. As far as I know, I don't believe I have any kids. Um, And I don't think I got anyone pregnant ever. I have had a few busted condoms. um, And, um, you know, we we went and got the morning after pill. And, um, and I, and I'm a gentleman, you know, I paid for 50% of that morning after pill the couple times I've had to go get one. Uh, and I've had uh, a couple pregnancy scares from the same person, but it turns out that she was just crazy. <laughs> Cause that's my type. Uh, okay, I'm kidding, folks. Today's episode is not about pulling out, although that is a very important thing. Product service announcement. Don't forget to pull out for the safety of health. Public health and safety service announcement. Pull out. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. Today... Today, 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 I'm talking about something that I kind of touched on in the last episode, and that is seemingly doing nothing. But it's not really doing nothing. It's doing something, but it's doing without doing. What? Doing without doing? Well, as I said in the last episode, I am a big fan of paradoxes. And I'm a big fan of triadoxes and monodoxes, but I prefer paradoxes. (laughs) Get it? pair of doxes, although doxing is no laughing matter. It's a real problem, folks. Don't dox and don't get doxed because that's very illegal and it ruins people's lives. Ruined. No, today I am talking about a thing called Wu Wei and uh, Taoism and uh, Bruce Lee and uh, Winnie the Pooh. And I'm probably going to find some way that I relate to it. And maybe through that, you can find a way that you relate to it. All right. So let's start off with a quote from the master. uh, Not me. Not me. I I, I am a master, but this is not the master. I'm, I'm not the master I'm talking about here. I'm the master baiter. I am talking about... Bruce Lee. Ever heard of him? Bruce Lee. He was a martial arts uh, god and actor, filmmaker. And uh, here's, here's a pretty famous quote. You may have heard of it. Maybe you've just heard, be like water. Or, I mean, usually people say it kind of, uh, you know, kind of stereotypically, like, be like water. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say be like Wata. I'm going to say this. Empty your mind. Become formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water in a cup. It becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle. It becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot. It becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Be water. So let's talk about water. What does water look like? It's clear and it's wet. It's a wet liquid 
And it can also become a solid and a gas, which makes it a very versatile uh, piece of matter. Liquid, gas, and, pardon me, allergies, not, not cocaine. Um, water cannot become cocaine. Uh, liquid, gas, and solid. And water is very odd in that it's, it becomes less dense as a solid. That's why ice floats. Uh, so somehow the way the, the molecules reshape themselves to become a solid, uh, I, I guess makes it more light than, than when it is liquid. Speaking of water still, of course. Um, so water is clear and it flows over things. And as Mr. Lee so aptly put, it takes the shape of the things it is in. And it can move and stuff. And water's pretty fucking versatile, you know? Uh, as a matter of fact, water is kind of the basis behind one of my favorite, I guess, philosophy religions, religion philosophies called Taoism or Taoism. It's often spelt T-A-O, Tao, and its symbol is like, uh, it's the yin-yang symbol. A lot of people think it's yin-yang. No, it's yin-yang is the proper way to pronounce it. Um, but there, that's the symbol of Taoism is yin-yang. And uh, there's this painting somewhere. I don't, I don't remember what it is looks like, but it, it's kind of this painting has a story to it and it kind of, uh, talks, you know, explains how Taoism is different from Confucianism uh, relating to Confucius is different from Buddhism. So Confucius, Buddha and Lao Tzu, I think it's Lao Tzu is, you'll find out in a bit who Lao Tzu is. Um, they are standing around a pot of vinegar and they're all drinking from the vinegar. Um, let's see. Who, who is it? One of the guys like, uh, oh, I remember what it is. No, I don't remember what it is. Confucius and Buddha both think the vinegar tastes bad. Whereas Lao Tzu, the, uh, the Taoist guy, thinks it tastes sweet. So basically, Confucius is very much kind of like orderly, square, and boring. Buddhism is more like, um, we're all going to die. It's kind of a downer. And Taoism is like, well, yeah, we are going to die, but it doesn't have to be a downer, does it? You can make it in a, you know, fun, a not downer. Maybe, maybe it would be better if I just went straight ahead and read some Wikipedia shit about Taoism. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Ah, la la. Taoism is a philosophical or religious tradition in Chinese of our Chinese origin, which emphasizes living in harmony with the Tao. 
Tao, literally meaning the way. Um, the Tao is a fundamental idea to most Chinese philosophical schools. In Taoism, however, it denotes that the principle that is the source, pattern, and substance of everything that exists. Let me reread that. I just confused myself, so maybe. Uh, the Tao is a fundamental idea of most Chinese philosophical schools. In Taoism, however, it denotes the principle that is source, pattern, and substance of everything that exists. So basically, God, everything is Tao. It's this power. It's this conscious energy that permeates everything and nothing. Um, Taoism differs from Confucianism by not emphasizing rigid rituals and social order, but is similar in the sense that it is a teaching about the various principles for uh, Jesus. I'm, my eyes are everywhere. It's uh, similar in the teaching various disciplines for achieving perfection by becoming one with the unplanned rhythms of the universe, the way, the Tao. Taoist ethics vary depending on the particular school, but in general, uh, tend to emphasize Wu Wei, which is action without action, which is really the focus of this episode. Um, naturalness, simplicity, spontaneity, and the three treasures. Um, penis, left nut, right nut. Ha, just kidding. Compassion, frugality, humility. The roots of Taoism, Taoism go back to at least uh, the 4th century BCE. Early Taoism drew its cosmological notions from the school of yin-yang, or naturalists, and was deeply influenced by one of the oldest texts of Chinese culture, the I Ching, uh, which expounds a philosophical system about how to keep human behavior in accordance with the alternating cycles of nature. The legalist Shen Buhai may have been a major influence, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the Tao Te Ching is another piece of Taoism text. The Tao Te Ching is a compact book containing teachings attributed to Lao Tzu. Uh, it is widely considered the keystone work of the Taoist tradition, together with the later writings of Shuangzi. Um, so yeah, yeah. I Ching, you may have heard of it. The I Ching is sort of like a form of divination. You know, you have, uh, tarot cards in the West. Well, the I Ching is kind of like the tarot cards of the East. You throw some coins or, or draw some, some sticks, um, out of a cup or whatever. And you, you see a pattern, like you write down what pattern comes out, and then it relates to one of, I think, 86 different um, formations um, in the I Ching. And also, um, Carl Jung, the, the psychologist who, who was about, you know, the um, collective conscious collective unconscious, unconscious, and shadow selves and all that stuff. Uh, he was heavily influenced by the I Ching. Uh, 
Um, I think his total list of archetypes comes down to 86, which he based off of the different characteristics of the I Ching. Uh, let's see here. So the Tao uh, Te Ching, let's start with that. Pulling up a different um, Wikipedia article here. The Tao Te Ching, um, also known as, uh, or, or what the fuck, the Tao Te Ching, also known as Lao Tzu or Lao Tzu, is a Chinese text traditionally credited to the 6th century BC sage Lao Tzu. The text's authorship, date of composition, and date of compilation are debated. The oldest excavated portion dates back to the late 4th century BC, but modern scholarship dates other parts of the text as having been written or at least compiled later than the earliest portions of the Shuangzi. The Tao Te Ching, along with the Shuangzi, is a fundamental text for both philosophical and religious Taoism. It also strongly influenced other schools of Chinese philosophy and religion, including legalism, Confucianism, and Buddhism, which was largely interpreted through the use of Taoist words and concepts when it was originally introduced to China. Many artists, including poets, painters, calligraphers, and gardeners, have used the Tao Te Ching as a source of inspiration. Its influence has spread widely outside East Asia and is among the most translated works in world literature. Pretty interesting stuff. So the title, blah, blah, blah. Let's skip that. Internal structure, blah, blah, blah. Let's skip that. Principal versions. Let's skip all this shit. Um, fuck. Am I boring you? I feel like I'm boring myself. Let's read about Lao Tzu real quick. Uh, let me get through the base shit and then I'll get to the meat. All right. All right. Hold on. Uh, just bear with me, please. Lao Tzu um, was an ancient Chinese philosopher and writer. He is the reputed author of the Tao Te Ching, the founder of philosophical Taoism and a deity in religious Taoism and traditional Chinese religions. A semi-legendary fig figure, Lao Tzu was usually portrayed as a 6th century BC contemporary of Confucius, but some modern historians consider him to have lived during the Warring States period. Blah, blah, blah. Names, historical views. Let's see if we can get into his views here. Lao Tzu is traditionally regarded as the blah. We already read that. Um, as with most other Chinese philosophers, Lao Tzu often explains his ideas by way of, uh-oh, here's the word, paradox, analogy, appropriation of ancient sayings, repetition, symmetry, rhyme, and rhythm. In fact, the whole book can be read as an analogy, uh, the, talking about the Tao Te Ching. Uh, the ruler is the awareness or self in meditation and the myriad creatures or empire is the experience of the body. Who the fuck wrote this shit? This is so, it's so like clumped together. These people are not, they don't know how to 
communicate in a very clean manner. They're just kind of lumping all this shit together. This is the problem with academic texts. And you can't even call Wikipedia an academic text. It's just someone trying to emulate academic writing. And the problem with academic writing is that it's not fucking clean. It's just blah, 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 blah. It's just lumping all this shit together until your eyes glaze over. All right. The Tao Te Ching, often simply called Lao Tzu after its reputed author, describes the Tao as the source and ideal of all existence. It is unseen, but not transcendent. Immensely power, yet supremely humble. Being the root of all things. People have desires and free will, and thus are able to alter their own nature. Many people act, quote-unquote, unnaturally, upsetting the natural balance of the Tao. The Tao Te Ching intends to lead students to a return to their natural state in harmony with the Tao. Language and conventional wisdom are critically assessed, Taoism views them as inherently biased and artificial, widely using paradoxes to sharpen the point. Let's read that again. Language and conventional wisdom are critically assessed. Taoism views them as inherently biased and artificial. Why is that? All right, let's look at that. Language and typical conventional wisdom is created through a culture, through a society, through a religion, through something that humans and their schemes and their machinations created, languages and systems, and, and language that serves a certain system that humans created, and conventional wisdom that serves a certain system that humans created. Yet humans often find themselves separate from nature. All right. So human language, according to Lao Tzu, human language and human conventional wisdom is itself separate from nature because humans created it. So one has to be very tricky with the words they use. One has to be very uh, selective and clever with their use of words in order to work their way around the inherent biases, the inherent propaganda within language um, to express something that words simply cannot express. You can only get an approximate of some truth um, when you're speaking of truths using any kind of human language. All right, let's move on here. Um, Livia Cohn provides an example of how Lao Tzu encouraged a change in approach or return to nature rather, uh, rather than action. A return to nature rather than action. Technology may bring about a false sense of progress. The answer provided by Lao Tzu is not the rejection of technology, but instead seeking the calm state of Wu Wei, free from desires. This relates to many statements by Lao Tzu encouraging rulers to keep their people in quote-unquote ignorance or quote-unquote simple-minded. Uh, 
Some scholars insist this explanation ignores the religious context, and others question it as an apologetic of the philosophical coherence of the text. It would not be unusual political advice if Lao Tzu literally intended to tell rulers to keep their people ignorant. However, some terms in the text, such as valley spirit, Gu Shen, or soul, Po, bear a metaphysical context that cannot be easily reconciled with a purely ethical reading of the work. So, it's a lot of problem with translations in religions. It's a lot of problem a lot of problems because of translation is also an inaccurate art. We can only find an approximate meaning in current modern English can only find an approximate meaning to say Aramaic. As I mentioned episodes ago, language shapes the way you perceive, language shapes the way you believe, language shapes the way you think and function and experience the world and emotions and thoughts, all right? So when someone says, oh, this is a literal translation of Lao Tzu said to keep the people ignorant, um, maybe the word they read, maybe Lao Tzu was not really intending them to be ignorant. Maybe Lao Tzu was just trying to say, not ignorant, just uncomplicated, and that's up to the discretion of the translator. What approximate words are they going to use to try to um, translate this Chinese word? I'm sorry, I don't know if it's Mandarin or whatever. Um, or, or Jesus, I can't think of the Cantonese. Um, you know, there's no literal translation of one character in Mandarin or Cantonese or other languages in English. So you have to choose an approximate and it's up to that person. And maybe, you know, someone's maybe you get some like kind of cynical translator, maybe you get someone who's just kind of like a salty bitch and uh, they're going to give you a salty bitch translation. That's not completely true to what the, um, original writer or speaker intended. Let's move on here. Wu Wei, literally non-action or non-acting, is a central concept of the Tao Te Ching. The concept of Wu Wei is multifaceted and reflected in, in the words, multiple meanings, even in English translation. It can mean not doing anything, not forcing, not acting in the theatrical sense, creating nothingness, acting spontaneously, and flowing with the moment like water. It is water is a physical living expression of Wu Wei, and it's often used as that. Water is often used as a way to describe um, the Tao, the way. See, everything that happens in life happens for a reason. So there's sort of some cause and effect predetermination, but also paradoxically at the same time, influence of free will acting upon that predetermination. So it's not something the human mind can easily reconcile, and it's certainly not something uh, your average 
tech geek would like to reconcile because they want it to be either predetermined or either all free will. Some people say there is no such thing as free will. I'm agnostic. I say I don't know. I'm not going to say I know. And I'm also an absurdist, so I'm going to say it's both. I don't know. But if I had to guess, I'd say it's both. We have both free will and predetermined destinies. I think they influence each other and create something that we can't even fucking conceive. Wow. Um, Jesus, I need some water. I'll be right back. It's gotten hot today, and it's supposed to get cold tonight. I'll be right back. And, and I'll talk more about Wu Wei and how water and rivers relates to Taoism and Wu Wei and how I try to live up to that. Be right back. I'm back. And uh, I'm going to read first some quotes from Lao Tzu. And then read some read a piece from a uh, very impactful book. It's a very short, easy read, and it's a good read. Um, but first, these quotes by Lao Tzu. Here's one. Do the difficult things while they are easy, and do the great things while they are small. A journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step. Hmm, you've probably heard that. Kindness in words creates confidence. Kindness in thinking creates profoundness. Kindness in giving creates love. Love is, of all passions, the strongest, for it attacks simultaneously, simultaneously the head, the heart, and the senses. Um, I love this one. If you do not change direction, you may end up where you are heading. I think uh, George Harrison from the Beatles had a similar quote. Um, when I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. When I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. Say I've got this idea of myself, and maybe it's not real. Maybe it's not true altogether at the end of the day, at the end of a life. Maybe my idea of myself isn't accurate. Um, maybe my idea of myself is from someone else's ideas of me, someone else's ideas that I have chosen to believe about myself instead of really reaching the nature of myself. And that's a long, complicated process of undoing and unlearning in order to learn how to be. Speaking of learning how to be, let's turn to a great book about Taoism that does a great job explaining Taoism uh, called The Tao of Pooh, written by Benjamin Hoff, who is also the author of The Day of Piglet. Um, let me see here. I saved a page well, a chapter about Wu Wei. And this chapter is entitled The Pu Wei. Uh, let's see here. It starts with a quote. <clears throat> By the time it came to the edge of the forest, the stream had grown up 
so that it was almost a river, and, being grown up, it did not run and jump and sparkle along as it used to do when it was younger, but moved more slowly. For it knew now where it was going, and it said to itself, There is no hurry. We shall get there some day. End quote. Now, we come to what could be called the most characteristic element of Taoism in action. Um, in Chinese, it is known as Wu Wei. It is also the most characteristic element of Winnie the Pooh in action. This, this book breaks down Taoism through Winnie the Pooh. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, Pooh being like the most Tao character in literature. Well, one of them. Uh, let's see here. In English, Wu Wei, uh, it is not known as much of anything in particular. We believe that it's time that someone noticed it and called it something, so we will call it the Pu Wei. Literally, Wu Wei means without doing, causing, or making. But practically speaking, it means without meddlesome, combative, or egotistical effort. It seems rather significant that the uh, character way developed from the symbols for a clawing hand and a monkey, since the term Wu Wei means no going against the nature of things, no clever tampering, no monkeying around. The efficiency of Wu Wei is like that of water flowing over and around rocks in its path not the mechanical, straight-line approach that usually ends up short-circuiting natural laws, but one that evolves from an inner sensitivity to the natural rhythm of things. Let's take an example from the writings of Shuangzi. Quote, At the Gorge of Lu, the great waterfall plunges for thousands of feet, its spray visible for miles. In the churning waters below, no living creature can be seen. One day, Gong Fu Tse was standing at a distance from the pool's edge when he saw an old man being tossed about in the turbulent water. He called to his disciples and gathered, and together they ran to rescue the victim. But by the time they reached the water, the old man had climbed out onto the bank and was walking along, singing to himself. Gong Fu Tse hurried to him, saying, You would have... You'd have to be a ghost to survive that, he said. But you seem to be a man instead. What secret power do you have? Nothing special, the old man replied. I began to learn while very young and grew up practicing it. Now I am certain of success. I go down with the water and come up with the water. I follow it and forget myself. I survive because I don't struggle against the water's superior power. That's all. End quote. When we learn to work with our inner nature and with the natural laws operating around us, we reach the level of Wu Wei. Then we work with the natural order of things and operate on the principle of minimal effort. Since the natural world follows that principle, it does not make mistakes. 
Mistakes are made, or imagined, by man, the creature with the overloaded brain who separates himself from the supporting network of natural laws by interfering and trying too hard. Not like Pooh, the most effortless bear we've ever seen. And I'm going to skip through a little bit of stuff. Uh, la la, I can skip over this. Uh, I can skip over that. And uh, let's see. Cleverness, as usual, takes all the credit uh, it possibly can. But it is not the clever mind that's responsible when things work out. It's the mind that sees what's right in front of it and follows the nature of things. When you work with Wu Wei, you put the round peg in the round hole and the square peg in the square hole. No stress, no struggle. Egotistical desire tries to force the round peg into the square hole and the square peg into the round hole. Cleverness tries to devise craftier ways of making pegs fit where they don't belong. Knowledge tries to figure out why round pegs fit in round holes, but not square holes. Wu Wei doesn't try. It doesn't think about it. It just does it. And when it does, it doesn't appear to do much of anything. Yet things get done. Skipping ahead. When you, when you try too hard, it doesn't work. <laughs> You're fucking telling me. Anytime I try anything too hard, it blows up in my face. And that's a lesson I learn over and over and over again in my life. Trying too hard and learning how to not try. And that's a lot of the basis behind a lot of um, really good acting schools. For example, one, the one I studied, Meisner, is being, not doing. It's, it's very wu-wei, Meisner, I find. Um, when you try too hard, it doesn't work. Try grabbing something quickly and precisely with a tensed up arm. Then relax and try it again. Try doing something with a tense mind. The surest way to become tense, awkward, and confused is to develop a mind that tries too hard, one that thinks too much. The animals in the forest don't think too much, they just are. But with an overwhelming number of people, to misquote an old Western philosopher, it's a case of, I think, therefore I am confused. If you compare the city with the forest, you may begin to wonder why it's man who goes around classifying himself as the superior animal. But down through the centuries, man has developed a mind that separates him from the world of reality, the world of natural laws. This mind tries too hard, wears itself out, and ends up weak and sloppy. Such a mind, even if of high intelligence, is inefficient. It goes here and there, backwards and forwards, and fails to concentrate on what it's doing at the moment. It drives down the street in a fast-moving car and thinks it's at the store, going over a grocery list when it wonders why accidents occur. When you work with Wu Wei, you have no real accidents. Things may get a little odd at times, but they work out. You don't have to try very hard to make them work out. You just let them. For example, let's recall the search for small. Actually, for example, 
let's skip that <laughs> and, and get back to the meat. Um, those who do things by the poo way or the woo way find this sort of thing happening to them all the time. It's hard to explain, uh, except by example, but it works. Things just happen in the right way at the right time. At least they do when you let them, when you work with circumstances instead of saying, this isn't supposed to be happening this way and trying to make it happen some other way. Like, have you ever had a bad day and it just seems to get worse and worse no matter what you do? Like, you're having a bad day and you're trying to make it better. You're trying to make a situation better. And no matter what you try, it just gets worse and it just blows up in your face. Be a relationship. It's just not working out. Or at work. It's just not working out. You're running low on food prep. You know, food service will get this. You're running low on food prep. Um, we're out of fucking ramekins. All the seats are taken up. There's a wait. And we need ramekins and more celery and onion prep. And we need someone to make more fucking hummus now. And there's a lot of tension, a lot of high stakes, a lot of uh, high energy. And you will move very fast and frantic and excitedly and not excited in a fun way. And you'll slip and bust your ass or break some shit. That's what happens. Uh, let's see here. If you're in tune with the way things work, then they work the way they need to, no matter what you may think about at the time. Later on, you can look back and say, oh, now I understand. That had to happen so those could happen, and those had to happen in order for this to happen. Then you realize that even if you tried to make it all turn out perfectly, you couldn't have done better. And if you'd really tried, you would have made a mess of the whole thing. Let's take, for example, um, let's take another example of things work out Eeyore's birthday, as arranged by Pooh and Piglet. Pooh discovered after blah, some more stuff to skip over here. Um, yeah, there's a lot of examples of the writing and how it applies to Taoism. It's a good book. Uh, the Tao of Pooh, Tao spelt T-A-O. All right, here we go. Using Wu Wei, you go by circumstances and listen to your own intuition. This isn't the best time to do this. I'll, I'd better go that way. Like that. When you do that sort of thing, people may say you have a sixth sense or something. All it really is, though, is being sensitive to circumstances. That's just natural. It's only strange when you don't listen. One of the most convenient things about this sensitivity to circumstances is that you don't have to make many difficult decisions. Instead, you can let them make themselves. Um, another example. Uh, the Wu Wei approach to conflict solving can be seen in the practice of the Taoist martial art, Tai Chi Xuan. Uh, tai Chi is a Taoist martial art and it, uh, and it employs Wu Wei. Um, it employs moving like water. Tai Chi, although very slow and everything, people think it's just slow and not made for fighting. It actually is 
a martial art and it actually is a combat art, yet it is purely defensive. It is only defense, never on the offense, as uh, Benjamin Hoff explains further here. Um, the Taoist martial art, Tai Chi Xuan, the basic idea of which is to wear the opponent out either by sending his energy back at him or by deflecting it away in order to weaken his power, balance, and position for defense. Never is force opposed with force. Instead, it is overcome with yielding. Flows like water, reflects like a mirror. The, the Wu Wei principle underlying Tai Chi Xuan can be understood by striking as a piece of cork floating in water. The harder you hit it, the more it yields. The more it yields, the harder it bounces back. Without expending energy, the cork can easily wear you out. So Wu Wei overcomes force by neutralizing its power rather than by adding to the conflict. With other approaches, you may fight fire with fire, but with Wu Wei, you fight fire with water. Let's see if there's anything else. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a pretty good uh, example of Wu Wei. So, let me just riff here. All right, here's the way I see it. Um, I believe there is life energy. I believe there is conscious energy. I believe we are all um, singular parts of a collective thing, singular consciousnesses that build up to a single uh, collective conscious that thinks itself as a single conscious, which is part of a bigger collective conscious. It's all fractals, as above, so below. Um, the further down you go, the smaller and smaller you look with a microscope, the more you see patterns reflecting themselves on a macro scale, on a massive scale. Atoms clump together with electrons flowing around them, much like the planets and moons flowing and circling around the gravity of a sun. And perhaps, like, like in um, Men in Black, like in the movie Men in Black, how uh, the galaxy is on Orion's belt. Orion's belt was just, a, Orion was the name of a cat, and it had this little jewel on its collar, and that jewel contained an entire galaxy. And then our galaxy, our, our um, universe that we can experience may be but a contained in a marble in a larger universe. You know what I mean? As above, so below. That's what that means. Fractals. If you don't know what fractals are, look that shit up. Um, that's the way things are set up, and and whatever we experience is made up of uh, this sort of just raw energy. There's no other real word for it. Um, and I think that energy is conscious. I think everything is conscious. Even like inanimate objects have their own consciousness. The table over here has its own consciousness, I believe. Um, plants, trees, all living things, rocks, things we might consider dead have their own consciousness because they're built up of other pieces of matter that have their own consciousness, so on and so forth. I think our uh, microbiome, every little piece of bacteria in our, in our microbiome 
um, uh, has its own individual consciousness, yet I, James Jackson Asher II, think of myself, I, as a single consciousness, which is made up of all these myriad other consciousnesses, all these other myriad things, living things, bacteria, atoms, cells, all organisms making a small organisms built of smaller organisms built of smaller organisms or a large organism built of a, which is part of a larger organism, which is part of a larger organism. That's fractals. That's as above, so below. That's, uh, that's how things are. I believe. And I also, again, believe that everything and nothing is made of a, a conscious energy that is sovereign, yet also par um, paradoxically collective at the same time. Um, and I, I believe, my best educated guess is that chaos which I think I'm going to cover the subject of chaos in the next in my next episode, episode 60. Chaos, I believe, is the nature of nature, is the nature of the universe, of the multiverse, of everything. Chaos is the starting point. And I believe that order, what we experience, the mere fact that we exist, the fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a minuscule fraction of a fraction of a fraction chance that you and I are alive right now and that the things around us exist, that we live on a planet that can that has all the very, very uh, touchy... I, I mean, it's, it's an amazing fucking miracle that... Um, we live on a planet that can host life and life like us. It's amazing that this happens. And, um, and I, that's order. That is a type of order that I think popped out of chaos because what is chaos, but everything. And a lot of people think chaos is just disorder and yes, it is unpredictable and disorderly yet, um, out of chaos, order may emerge, although it's a very slim chance that it emerges. But clearly, you and I are alive and conscious. And um, even if even if this is all but an illusion, even if this is part of a some massive future VR, if we're all just dreaming this, if we're all just in some video game that we forgot that we're experiencing. Um, we're experiencing it still. We still feel pain and pleasure. And this is all made possible by order, order that came out of chaos. So order is the exception, I believe. Chaos is not the exception. Chaos is the norm. Order is the exception. And in order for order to exist, there has to be a sort of proof. I think kind of like... Um, a mathematic equation. Things have to go in their certain parts to serve a certain function so that there can be a proof at the end of the equation. So that's kind of what I think uh, the Tao is, the way of 
things existing. You know, the only reason we exist is because the parts of the equation that we are experiencing are in their right places. Like that is nature. Although I think this equation is something beyond what we mere humans can even begin to contemplate or understand or even begin to imagine the scale of. Because I also believe that it, uh, although it is a mathematic type equation, it also has to rely on free will and chaos since it is a product of chaos, chaos being free will. And kind of like uh, the yin-yang symbol, there's the uh, yin with a little dot of yang in it, and then there's the yang half with a little dot of yin in it. As above, so below. Everything contains its dual uh, in the other. So we have both order and chaos within ourselves, and existence has both, you know, although we are living in a... Uh, an experience in a life, in a system that is created through order, there is a dot of chaos in it. And I think that is part of free will. Um, so Wu Wei, the way, is often described, or, or, or Taoism, the Tao, the path, is often described as a river. Your life is on a river, all right? So take it you're floating on a river. That's your life experience. From the beginning of the river down to the end of the river, you start when you're born, yet and the river ends when you die, all right? And along the way, you float. Sometimes the waters are placid and still. Sometimes they're lazy and rolling. Sometimes they're lazily rolling over a few rocks with some logs floating around. Sometimes they're very craggy and rocky. Sometimes they go off the edge of a cliff and land on the other side and keep going. That's how life is. Sometimes it's smooth, sometimes it's rough, but it's always moving forward. You can't go back. Uh, you can try to swim back, but you will wear yourself out. You can try to, you know, the more you struggle, the more you wear yourself out. So if you relax, you can float and flow with the water like the old man in that, um, that uh, not proverb, but that little, uh, little story from the book about the old man floating down with the water and up with the water down the, um, down the uh, waterfall. It's kind of like that. To get through your life, you have to go with Wu Wei, live with Wu Wei, doing without doing, trying without trying too hard. You know what I mean? Um, and just let the water take you where it will and it will guide you. Because if you struggle against the water, you may get worn out and drown. If you struggle against the water, you might get fucking your head bashed on a rock once you run into the rapids instead of just floating like a stick on top of the water and letting it guide you. Because this force, this conscious energy, this conscious life energy of time and everything is flowing through a certain path. It's flowing and it's part of something bigger than you. You are a small part of this one thing. You are a small part of this bigger thing, but you must exist. Because you are, although small, an integral integral part of the larger equation because without you and the way you do things existence 
ceases to exist. Make sense? Follows so far? Um, so you're floating on the river and it takes you. And so it seems kind of like predetermined. You're, the river takes you where the river is going to fucking go. No matter how hard you try to live your life a certain way, um, the river is still going to take you where you want to go. However, you can guide yourself with the river. You can struggle and drown if you want, and you can be easy and move away and let the waters take you where you want. But at the same time, you can be easy and sort of guide yourself along the water. Maybe the river branches off into a fork. Maybe you can easily guide yourself off to a different fork of the river and go down that path. You know, that's free will. That's how it fits into Taoism. Um, so you are at the whim of forces far larger than you, but you also have some influence on those forces and you have some influence on where those forces can guide you. Got it? Where am I going with this? My life, my life. I, I expected to be living in either Los Angeles or New York City right by now at the age of 32, making a living solely from acting. I thought back in my naive early 20s through the mid 20s and very struggling late 20s, um, I started in my late 20s, I started learning about Taoism and Wu Wei. And it helped me because I kept finding that I was struggling against the direction that forces larger than me were taking. I tried and tried and tried to do everything right. I tried to scheme. I tried to direct myself I, uh, uh, in direction in life. Um, you know, I wanted to just be like an actor and making a at least a comfortable middle-class living and getting steady work as an actor. And um, life hasn't happened that way yet. Life has guided me to exactly where I am in this moment. And I spent a lot of time fighting it, and it caused me all sorts of fucking problems. Burned bridges, panic attacks, nervous breakdowns. I've had a lot of nervous breakdowns. Um, fortunately, none that led me to a hospital, none that severe, but I've had some, for me, relatively big um, nervous breakdowns, existential crises, trauma, struggles that could have been avoided if I just accepted and let go and let flow. And it's taken a lot. And I'm still learning how to let go and let flow. I'm still learning to be like water. Um, and I will, I predict I will be for the rest of my life. It's an ongoing thing. But the more you practice something, the better you get at it. As long as you're not practicing bad habits, because then you're just further ingraining bad habits, which is why it's important to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Be like water, um, except that things will not go the way you want them to all the time. Accept it and flow with it. 
and don't struggle against it. Don't try to force it to your will, to your way. Accept that it's a way that is bigger than you, but that you have some small influence over that way. And with grace and ease, you can guide yourself through turbulent waters to a safe shore. That's all for today, for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, that took me on a real winding river. Um, I'm not so sure about the very beginning. Well, the very beginning I enjoyed with the music and everything, but um, the early parts of reading Wikipedia, I don't feel too hot about that. Hopefully you made it through because I feel like this episode ended on a much stronger note. It got better and better. Um, thank you again for tuning in. If you want to donate, please donate through my Patreon at patreon.com slash that thing with James. If you are able to, I would greatly appreciate it. And I have two donors right now whom I greatly appreciate. I love you both. Thank you so much for supporting me in the show. Um, and those two people actually have access to my biweekly, very short stories that I publish only for uh, patrons on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash that thing with James. If you become a donor for even a dollar a month, you will get access to my once every two weeks, very short stories. I write them on the spot, right? When I sit down, they're mine. I invent them out of thin air and um, they're unrelated. So each one is different. They're all different in length, but the idea is that hopefully they're no longer than five pages because I want them to be very short stories. Although I have yet to have any that are, you know, two sentences long, like that one Hemingway wrote about the baby's shoes used, whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, if you, if you're able to, um, please show some support and appreciation, uh, by donating. If you have, um, any questions, if you have, uh, if you're in search of some advice that you would like me to answer on the show, I can keep you anonymous or not at your request at your behest. Or if you have a uh, idea for a story or subject you would like me to cover on the show, please send me an email at thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. Or if you want, you can also slide into my DMs and just check me out on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at James J. Asher. If you, as always, if you haven't done so already, listeners, subscribe to the show, rate and review. YouTubers, subscribe to the channel, like the videos you like, write a comment, and for all of you, share the show with literally everybody. I mean, just fucking mass email. Don't even bother with the BCC. Just do a solid CC and uh, send this to everybody. And uh, let's spread the love like butter because I love you. And I'm like a pat of butter and you're like a baked potato. And I'm just on top of you melting, getting all in your nooks and crannies. And we both love it. And we both taste so good. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>